about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. class. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, let's get started tonight. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 tonight. Father, I thank you once again for an opportunity to bring your word. I thank you for the spirit of God who lives on the inside of me. Holy Ghost, just have your way tonight through my mouth and through my feelings, through my emotions, through every part of me. Help me to get across to the people tonight, revelation, knowledge in each and every life. Father, open our eyes to the understanding of who we are, what we can do in this day and hour, and what you want us to do in this day and hour. And I thank you tonight. The light of your revelation will hit every heart, will hit every mind, and open them up to a closer and better relationship with you. And we just thank you for all you're going to do tonight by your spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 21. It says, In whom all the building fitly framed together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Notice here it says the primary doctrine, basically of the kingdom of God in the New Testament, the greatest achievement of Calvary is God changing people into his image and into his likeness. God has made available through Christ the ability to transform the hard heart of man. He'd be able to turn the dead spirit of man into a heart of flesh, into a life-giving spirit. And what's that called? That's called the time when we got born again. When we got born again, there was a complete change on the inside of you. You became a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're not who you used to be. Your nature has changed and everything else has changed about you, but your soul, which needs to be renewed on the Word of God. So he has made available to all mankind the new birth and the new creation. It is a grace. It has freely been given to all men. Say all men. Now how many know all men are not born again? Why is that? Because they have not received the new birth through faith simply by believing what Jesus did for them so that they can move into the kingdom of God and be changed. All this is so that man could be a habitation, here in verse 22, of God through the Spirit. Say habitation. Now, many times we have been, uh, you know, conditioned to have a visitation of God in a service or whatever, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you must remember that you are the house of God. You are a habitation of God. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. What does that do? It gives God access into the earth through you by His Spirit who is in you. That's what the whole New Testament basically tries to get to. That's what the kingdom is all about. The power of God and the Spirit of God now lives on the inside of human beings, which you are one. And when you got born again, the Spirit of God now can hook you up to heaven and get God's will done here in the earth. It is a privilege to have Almighty God living on the inside of you. It's a privilege to be part of God's plan in this day and this hour. All His wisdom came into you when He came in. His love came in. His power and ability came in, His authority, and all these things are available to each and every person, not just the teachers, the preachers, the fivefold ministry, but to everybody who's been born again. It is an honor to have daily access to His presence and ability. It is an honor to be a son of God, an honor to be part of God's family. Our call is to diligently pursue this truth 
so we may rapidly change to live like the Master lives. The Bible says in 1 John, as He is, so are we, where? In this world, praise God. So when you got born again, the nature of God's on the inside of you. All His ability, all His power has moved in because Christ has moved in. And now He fully expects us to operate the same way that Jesus operated when He was down here in the earth. We are to be a continuation of the extension of Jesus' ministry. His kingdom come and His will will get done here on earth, but it will get done through human beings with the Spirit of God on the inside of them. The greatest accomplishment on earth for every Christian would be to live in the revelation and reality of God living on the inside of you. The greatest accomplishment on earth would be to live in the revelation and the reality of God living on the inside of you. All right, go to Romans chapter 6. All right, Romans chapter 6, let's start in verse 3. It says, Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is, not going to be, is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we henceforth should not serve sin. So this is talking about after Jesus was raised from the dead, after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now everything that he provided through that res resurrection is available to each and every one of us here. The ability to walk in a newness of life here it says the ability to be in the likeness of his resurrection and to live in a new position with power are all available to each and every person who's been born again. God actually wants us to live in a newness of life. He doesn't want us to live the same way we did before we got born again because we have so much more, so much more ability, so much more potential on the inside of us. And basically we, we lock into that by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. How many know the power of God is a gift of God? The authority of God has been a gift of God. The peace of God is a gift of God. All these things have been gifts, but you tap into them by believing that you already have them, and they have been given to you. Faith is a gift of God. Every believer has faith. So what do we do? We're simply going to find out in the Word of God who He made us to be, and we're going to condition our minds to agree with that so we walk in a newness of life, not a mere man like Paul talks about in Scripture. So a new life of victory belongs to us. Success and divine ability is given to a believer, but you must go in and possess the land. Say, I have to. Go in and possess the land. And that's what people always say. Well, you preach this stuff, and you preach about healing, you preach about authority, blah, 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 but I don't see any of it happening. Well, why is nothing happening? Because you're ignorant of what you actually have, and the kingdom of darkness survives on ignorance. The Bible says, my people are destroyed because of lack of, lack of knowledge. Well, Jesus sent his word and healed us and delivered us from all Destruction. Well, you can, you can substitute the word for destruction, and there is ignorance. He sent His Word and delivered us from all ignorance. The more ignorance you're delivered from out of the kingdom of darkness with the Word of God, the more you will walk in the things of God in your life. The Bible says His entrance of His Word brings what? 
light. What does it do? It eliminates darkness. It's in your mind and in your life and in your thought life and in your opinions and in your feelings and in your emotions. So through the word of God and revelation of the word of God, you are slowly changed into who he is, even though on the inside of you, the work has already been completed. How many know Jesus doesn't have to die again? See, some people think he's got to come back down and do it all over again. No, he's already did it once. It's already been given to you. He's already given you the land. Now you've got to go in and you've got to possess that land. Look at verse 6. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified. Thank God. I'll tell you, every time I read that, I get excited because I know what my old man was like, and he wasn't a very nice guy. And I'm glad I don't have to try to kill him because I tried to kill him before I got born again, and that certainly didn't work. So I'm glad that he was crucified on the cross with Christ, praise God, and he is dead. Say, my old man. He's dead. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Hallelujah. Now, you have to know in your life that there has been a radical change that took place when you got born again. Basically, at that time, you were changed, and the Spirit of God came to live on the inside of you, and your spirit was basically changed. Now, your mind has to be renewed or transformed to this change. You've got to find out who you are now. You've got to find out what you can do. You've got to find out what God expects you to do in your life down here. And most of the things that we have been taught basically are works that you do in the church. You know, you clean the toilet, you sweep the floor, you're doing all these wonderful things for Jesus in the church. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the main thing he wants you to do is believe your new nature so you can do works of anointed power out of your life. Anything you do in the anointing will not wear you out. If you're in a ministry and you're getting wore out all the time, chances are you're not in the anointing and you're not doing the right thing. Once you're doing the right thing, the anointing of God comes upon you. It stays upon you. It makes it easy for you to do. You just trust in that anointing to do. So we're discovering every day who I am. I'm, I'm, for more and more, I'm finding out who I am. I'm finding out what else I can do. When I find out what I can do, I'm trying to convince myself of what I can do, even though it says it in the Bible, because it's all news to me. All right, look at verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here it says, you must reckon yourself dead to the powerless, ordinary lifestyle to be in a mere man. Notice we are dead to sin. Say, I'm dead to sin. Now, most people believe, you know, everybody's got to sin sometime. We're all human. We just all sin, but thank God for his forgiveness. And yeah, thank God for his forgiveness when you sin. But here it says, basically, you need to reckon yourself to be dead to sin, not alive to sin and trust in his forgiveness, but you need to be dead to sin. So that means when I'm attacked in my feelings and emotions, maybe I feel like punching somebody. Maybe I'm starting to get angry. Maybe I'm starting to get upset. How many know I have authority over my feelings and my emotions if I choose to use that authority? If I don't, your feelings and emotions will get involved in the thing. You'll end up getting angry. You'll get into offense. You'll get into all these things. But here it says you've got to reckon yourself alive to God and reckon yourself dead to sin. Once again, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so what? So is he. So if you think you're a sinner saved by grace, it's obvious you're going to be a sinner saved by grace. If you think you don't sin anymore and you have authority over sin, then you use that authority to deny ungodly things in your life. Will you slip up? You may slip up, but when you do, you've got somebody living on the inside of you who's going to tell you very quickly. See, this is why you don't have to search yourself for sins if you're walking with the Holy Ghost. You don't have to go back two months. What did I do two months ago? What did, I do? did I do this? Did I do this wrong? If the Holy Ghost is alive in you, it don't take long. For you to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, and all once the Spirit of God says, hey, 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 just a minute here. Time to make an adjustment. And now we know then you've got a decision. Because sometimes you don't like his adjustments. You'd rather go on with your adjustment that you're making. 
So the Holy Ghost will quicken you. He'll he'll convict you on the inside and say, hey, you can't do that. Hey, you shouldn't do that. Hey, you can't do that. And then we just respond to the Holy Ghost. We're not under the letter anymore. We're under the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of us. And I'll tell you what, he does a real good job of keeping me in check. I don't know about you. Hallelujah. All right, look at verse 13. It says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of the righteousness of God. Now, this is interesting. This says your members, after you got born again, can now become instruments of God. Before you got born again, I guarantee you, your instruments were not instruments of God. Your mouth now that was used for criticalness, it was used for complaining, it was used for cussing, it was used for talking unbelief, can now be used as a mouthpiece of God to speak boldly the Word of God and the oracles of God. It can be used to praise God now. Your ears, basically, that listen to nothing but filth and dirt and gossip and worldly views can now be tuned into the Word of God so that faith grows in your heart. Your hands that you use to fight other people with and hurt other people and take stuff and steal stuff from other people, and now, basically, you can give with those hands, and you can also use them to heal the sick, the Bible says. What happens? There's been a transformation of you and even your members if you'll allow God to use them. You can now see into a new realm of the Spirit of God, and you can now see the will of God. How many know even your eyes have changed? Before, I mean, sometimes I'll get an old movie that I watched 30 years ago, and somebody will be in town. I'll say, man, this movie 30 years ago was good, and I put that thing on, and after 15 minutes, I thought, my God, I'm embarrassed. I can't even believe I ever watched that thing before. Every other word's a cuss word, every other thing, but back then, it, it was a good movie at that time, but now my eyes have changed, and my ears have changed, and everything's changed, and now you're embarrassed because you had relation over, and you wanted to show them this good movie, and now you got to get saved all over again because you brought the movie into the house, and you're corrupting everybody in there. Boy, is that because there's been a change in your members and how they see things and how they hear things. So you can slowly become the very vehicle in which God travels and operates here in the earth realm. He'll use your mind to think, your mouth to speak, your hands to work, your ears to hear. You are now bringing his kingdom back to earth, doing his will, and fulfilling the very purpose that you were created to do here on the earth. All right, go to Romans chapter 12. All right, we're going to look a little bit about transformation tonight. Romans chapter 12, look at verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. This is talking about a transformation that is a daily thing in your life. It's taking place where? What part of you? Your mind. It's taking place in your mind. There should be a daily transformation of your mind. If you want to live in kingdom miracles, there has to be changes in the way that you think. You have to eliminate worry and fear out of your mind so that you're walking by faith and allowing the power of God in you to flow out of the inside of you. This transformation should be changing the way that you think. And here's where you've got to be careful when you've got new Christians and you're in a church. Maybe you've been in, in, under the Word for 15 years. I mean, you know, if you've really been pressing into God for 15 years, your mind has definitely been changed, the way you see things. Well, then you get a new Christian who comes into church who's been born again for two weeks, and they're telling you all about the garbage that they're doing. And you've got to understand they've not quite been renewed yet, so you can't kick them, slander them, slap them, kick them, and run them out of the church because they're new yet. They've not had time to renew their mind, so we lovingly help them. We don't sit back and rebuke them. We help them because their mind is going to be changing all the time. You're going to run into people who have a mind renewed more than yours. 
and people who have a mind renewed less than yours. But as long as they're pursuing that, there's a change taking place each and every day. So you're no longer going to be conformed to the world's ways or the way this world operates or this world's age, but you are now going to be able to prove what is the good will, then the acceptable will, then the perfect will of God. Notice that's a growth. Say that's a growth. Pretty soon I'm going to prove the good will of God. I'm going to know the acceptable and good will, and pretty soon I'm going to know the perfect will of God. So God's will is not only for you to be born again, but you to live in this newness of life that he talks about in Romans chapter 6. Jesus has come to give you life, but also to give you what? Life abundantly. So there's a step up. Through the transformation of your mind, you can live in the likeness of his resurrection. You can live now as a habitation of God through the Spirit. Here it told us we can yield our members to God's will and His purpose. You can listen to the right stuff. You can look at things the right way. You can use your mouth the right way. You can use your hands the right way. You can line them all up with the perfect will of God. You can do the same works, the Bible says, and even greater works than Jesus Himself did. You can enforce the defeat of the devil. This is all possible through the renewing of your mind to the Word of God and coming out of the worldly mindset that we have. All right, Romans chapter 12, we're still at verse 2. This is Kenneth Weiss' translation. It's helped me some. Kenneth Weiss says, Stop assuming an outward expression that does not come from what is really in you and is not a representation of who you really are on the inner man. In other words, you hear people say, I'm weak. Oh, I'm a loser. Oh, I'm powerless. Oh, I'm only a human. Oh, I'm a failure. What are they doing? They're looking at their outward actions. They're looking at their outward situations, and they're judging themselves according to the outward rather than realizing what the miracle that took place on the inside of them and what the Bible says about them. So he says, but change your outward expression to one that comes from within you and is a representation of your new inner being by the renewing of your mind. So as my mind got renewed, I was no longer a sinner. I found out I was the righteousness of God in Christ. I was no longer sickly, but I was healed. Hallelujah. I was no longer weak, but now I was strong. I was no longer in my own ability, but now I had the ability of God or the anointing of God and the power of God in my life. I found out that I was a king, and I just figured a king rules, so I thought I would start trying to rule. The king said I was a, or says I was a victor, so now I'm a victor. Everything is being changed. What for? To bring you out of everything you learned for the first 30 years of my life, eliminating that and bringing me over into the new life that I have the day that I got born again and made Jesus Christ my Lord. So you will sooner or later start to see yourself as who you've been made and see yourself as God sees you. That's why you've got to be careful not to judge what anybody else says about you that doesn't line up with God. If somebody calls you stupid, there's no sense getting offended. You know you're not stupid, so you just laugh and you move on. If somebody says you're terrible, then you don't have to worry about that because you already know you're not terrible. Unless God says, thou art terrible here someplace, then I don't want to deal with that. But that's the way a lot of people get offended. They're more hungry with the people's opinion of people than they are the opinion of God. And the only thing you need to be concerned about is God's opinion in your life and what he said about you and get into agreement with him. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 4.
It's a lot easier to believe for a miracle when you believe you're anointed, that you're a king, that you have authority, than if you're a weakling, you can't do nothing, God never helped me, blah, 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 and then you try to do a miracle. It doesn't work that way. And everybody in their heart, I think, wants to operate in the supernatural because you're a supernatural being. So you want to operate in healing the sick. You want to cast out devils. You want to walk above the ordinary things that are going on. But in order to do that, there has to be a renewing of your mind, and that renewing's got to keep going. Most people in the church are on fire as soon as they get born again, man. They're in a, I mean, they're eating that Bible up there you give them a book and it can be 400 pages and that thing's read in an hour and a half you know and then all at once you see them three months later and all they're like this and what happened they started to renew their mind they were on fire and then they stopped and when they did they started going backwards we call that in the church backsliding well what didn't really backslide their mind backslid back into the old ways because it was not completely renewed yet everybody i believe in the world who gets born again at some time is going to be double-minded and the Bible talks about being double-minded is bad, but double-minded is actually good. At one time, you were just evil-minded. So at least if you're putting a little good in, you got the good fighting evil, and at least you're double-minded. Now that's better than being just evil-minded the whole time. So you're going to be double-minded. Come on, either way. So what are you doing? Hopefully it gets, it gets 30% God and 70% world, and then 40-60, and then 50-50. Then you jump the hurdle, praise God, and get on the other side. And now once you're believing God more than you're believing the circumstances around you, and you may be double-minded, but you're 60% God, praise God, and that's better than you were before. So you're slowly growing. You have to be patient. Say, I need to be patient with me. All right, Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 22. It says that you, say me, notice that you have to put off concerning the former lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and in Holiness. Now notice, this is something he's telling you to do. You are the one responsible for doing this. It says you must be renewed in the spirit of your what? Mind. Say my mind. And here's where we get a little confused too because people claim to be soul savers, which how many knows your mind, will, and your emotions, but they do not save your soul. They got you born again in your spirit. The soul saving comes over a period of time when you get renewed to the word of God. Well, I saved your soul. No, you didn't. If I'm a soul saver. I'm here to save your soul, praise God. You're already born again, but I'm beating your soul and your feelings and your emotions to a place to where you start to understand the Word of God. So the saving of the soul is a process. It's not a one-time experience, and we've been confused in that area. Well, I've saved their soul. No, you got them born again, but now there has to be a saving of their soul because there's a battle going on between their ears. So here he says you need to put off the old, the one who was pre-new birth, and put on the new, which now after the new birth so that we see ourselves as spiritual beings who have made a drastic change through the miracle of the new birth. Here it says, you were created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, why did he create you in true righteousness? So once again, the Spirit of God could come and live on the inside of you. He's also put you into holiness so that you'd be true to your word and true to God's word so that you can rule and reign is why you were put here on the earth. You were created to live an overcoming life, created to do supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles for the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us to work out our salvation. Never tells you to work in your salvation, tells you to work out. Why? Because everything you need is already on the inside of you, and through agreement with what you have in you, it will manifest through you into the natural world. This is going to take place once again through your thought life. So we find out as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you think you're poor, you're going to live that way. If you think you're weak, you're going to live that way. 
If you think you're ordinary and powerless, you're going to live that way. If you think you're sick, you're going to live sick. If you think you are depressed, you are going to live depressed. Why? Because you are assuming and believing an outward expression that does not come from within you, but from your circumstances and outward evidence in your life. Basically, instead, you are putting on the old man rather than putting him off and putting him on the new man. So what do I want to do? I want to renew my mind and change it. So now I'm going to think I'm rich and I'll become that way. I'm thinking I'm strong and I'll be that way. If you think you're a sign and wonder miracle worker, then you will be that way. If you think you're healed, you will live that way. If you think you're a king, you will live like a king lives. Why? It's because your evidence is not coming from outward source, but from the inward knowing and revelation of God's finished work on the inside of you. Say finished work. Notice the finished work. When he said it's finished, it is finished. So I get born again and immediately don't know anything about it. I, I, the grass was greener, the sky was bluer, the birds were singing even louder, but I had no idea what happened on the inside of me. So until I got in the Word of God and found out, my God, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's hard to believe. I went to the mirror, it still looked like me, but in here it said something different. Old things have passed away. Well, if old things passed away, then all that crap that I used to do must have passed away. So I don't have to drink anymore. I don't have to cuss anymore. I don't have to act like a fool anymore. I don't have to stay out all night anymore because the old things have passed away and all things have become new. Then I found out I'm righteous. Well, how many know it's going to take you a while to understand that you're in right alignment with God through the blood after you've been in a church that proclaimed you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner over and over again for 30 years. It's going to take a while to renew your mind. And every time you say, I'm righteous, your mind says, no, you're not. You're a sinner, saved by grace. Pray for us sinners, not the hour of our death, amen. It'd come back to you every single time. So what happened? There was a fight, wasn't there? There was a fight to get the truth and the word of God. And basically when that word hits you, it hits you here, but it didn't do much up here. So on the inside, you knew that was the truth, but your mind wouldn't let you think that. So you got in a battle with your mind. So what did you, you start agreeing? I don't care what you say. You shut up, mind. I ain't take, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm in right line with the Christ. Well, what did you do to get in right line? Nothing. It was by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ made me the righteousness. Well, he didn't shed enough blood for you. Oh, yes, he did. He shed enough blood for everybody. Your mind just keeps coming and coming. What are you in? You're in a mind battle. You're trying to renew your mind, and you do it by changing the way you think. I mean, if you just start thinking that you're rich, see, how many know God wants you to be rich? He wants you to prosper. He wants you to have a bunch of money because he knows you'll use it in the right direction. When you get in agreement with him, basically, and say, that's right, praise God. I'm going to be wealthy. The windows of heaven are open. You're pouring out a blessing upon me that I cannot even contain. As soon as you make that, then God goes back and shows you how to get there. But you already know where you're going, and he knows where you're going. But if you never understand where you're going, you're going to stay where you're at. Because if you don't see beyond where you're at, you'll never get any place else but where you're at right now. And that's why people stay in the same stuff year after year after. I'm depressed. Always depressed. Two years later, still depressed. I'm depressed. Well, you're not depressed. Jesus will set you free. you got the joy of the Lord on the inside of you. Oh, no, I'm depressed. And Jesus is going to do something. Jesus is waiting for you to open your mouth and do something and blow that depression out of your life, which you have the authority to do. Praise God. Even if you deliver somebody, there's no, no, nothing saying they're going to stay that way. If they go right back to the same stupid thinking they had, they're just going to be depressed again. They're going to come out and be depressed. Come out and be depressed. And after a while, it just gets a little bit old. So here it says, put on the new man. Say, put on the new man. Say, put off the old man. So when you believe that you are strong, rich, healed, a miracle worker, you will become that way. Somebody already told me, says, Pastor Tom, I know all that. Well, no, if you really knew that, you would be that. You can just say it. You can lip service it. Do whatever you want. But when you know that, you become that. Praise God. All right, go to Third John 2.
amazing to me, probably over the last 20 years when I've been ministering, one of the most amazing things to me is that nobody wants to claim what God did for them. They all want to do something to get what God did for them. In other words, they don't want God to make you righteous. They want to do this, that, this, and that, and then become righteous so they can pat themselves on the back. And they would say, are you righteous? Yes, why? Well, I've worked bingo every Wednesday night, and I've been to church every Sunday morning, and I've been such a good boy, and now I'm righteous. No, because we always want to take credit, and someday you're going to have to learn out that you can't take credit for anything in the kingdom of God. It was already freely provided for you. Jesus already gave it to you. Well, I prayed and prayed and prayed to get to you. No, you've already healing the freebie, see? You don't deserve it, and it's just not the way it is. It's just the way he did it, praise God. Before you even got sick, he healed you. Before you even were a sinner, he already delivered you. All these things are freely given basically because God really does love you. Hallelujah. Say, God really loves me. Amen. Praise God. Good. All right. Three, third John. All right. Look at verse two. It says, beloved, say, that's me. I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as what? As your soul prospers. Now, this is very interesting, isn't it? God's will is that you prosper. God's will is that you be in health. But how does that happen as your soul prospers? So I run into pe people who I talk to about the Word of God, and they say, I just don't know when God is going to make me prosperous. I just don't know when that's going to happen. Well, when are you going to take the time to meditate the promises of God and see yourself prosperous and agree with Him so He can work in your life and make you prosperous? Well, when is God going to heal me? My gosh. Well, when are you going to meditate the Word of God and understand that you've already been healed? Notice it's not really God's timing. It's your timing to get in agreement with Him and line up with what He's already done for you. Christians have thought it doesn't matter what you think on. It does. It matters what you meditate on all day long. It matters what you feed on all day long. God is not like Santa Claus. He's not just going to decide someday to bring you a special present just because you were good that year. Basically, all these things have already been provided, and basically we step into them by understanding what He has already did for us and provided. So you must not be conformed to this world. You must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You must know there is a newness of life that belongs to you, a new way to live. You meditate that day and night. I'm a new person. Uh, start to get angry. Now I'm a new person. I don't do that. Start to get offended. Mm, I'm a new person. Things are gone wrong in the world. I'm a new person. Old things have passed away and I walk in the things of God. Soon you will see that you are the person who never gets discouraged. You're the person who never gets dismayed. You're the person who never gets down and out. You're the person who never gets sad. You're the person who never gets sick. Now, how many of you know you can't use that confession very well and get away with it in the church? How are you? I'm the person who never gets sick. You just wait, buddy. Come on, isn't that what they say? You just wait, buddy. You just keep in that prideful state, and you'll find out what the devil's going to do to you. Well, praise God, I was here to destroy the works of the devil. Don't say that either. He'll hear you, for goodness sakes. <laughs> What is it? They don't understand the Word of God. They've got no revelation on the Word of God. They're afraid of everything, praise God. But notice, you're going to find out according to the Word of God, you're the person who never gets sick. You're the person who never gets down. You're the person who never gets discouraged. You're the person who don't walk around in oppression. Praise God, they live up on top. Why? Because we're praising the Lord all day long. We trust Him. He lives on the inside of us. So hallelujah. Nothing happens in the natural realm that's big enough to change you who you are in the spirit realm. In other words, whatever happens out here, don't matter how big a blunder you make, it doesn't change your nature on the inside of you. It just disagrees with the nature on the inside of you. And before you got born again, you could get away with that. You could sin and not even worry about it and party the next night and not think anything. But once you got born again and that nature changed, it was no fun anymore. 
Because once you sinned, I mean, the Holy Ghost was all over you for the next 12 hours, praise God. And you decide, well, that, that ain't going to work out. I don't feel very good. This ain't working. So the nature change on the inside of you made that happen. You are a conqueror even if you choose not to live like one. Say, I am, I am. a new spirit being. A new spirit being. I, choose I choose to live in a newness of life. I have a resurrection nature. Close to cloth. I am rich. I am healed. I am a miracle worker. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Sometimes my mouth has trouble keeping up with my thinking. And that's all right, praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. All right, here's transformation, growing in the things of God, growing in signs, wonders, and miracles. These are things basically that I've learned basically by living the years that I've lived and being in the ministry as long as I have. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, notice this talks about your transformation here, basically. It says, now the Lord is that Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Another translation says, where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. So I want to make the Spirit the Lord of my life. How I many you know that still voice on the inside in the Word of God? I want to live by that, not by feelings and emotions. But we all with an open face, say an open face. Now, there's going to be a time when your face becomes open. What I mean by that is there's going to be a switch in your mind that you'll start understanding that everything in the Bible is more truth than what you've been taught and what you've thought your whole life. And all at once, this word is going to become more precious to you than your old opinions and your old way of thinkings and everything else. And at that time, it almost seems like a veil falls off your face. And all at once, you're reading the word and say, my God, I read that 5,642 times. I've got it underlined. I've got stars by it. And this is the first time it meant anything to me. What happened? It opened up all at once to you and all at once, it started hitting your spirit rather than hitting you, you know, in the brain area, praise God. So here it says as Christians, basically, we are journeymen. We are travelers in the Spirit. We do not get saved and stay at the same level. God, through His Spirit, changes us into His image and His likeness. Here it says you go from one level of glory to another level of glory. So God desires once you get born again by His Word and Spirit to take you from glory to glory. He wants to take you from a natural life into a spiritual life, from living only in the possible realm to living in the realm that is above the possible or what we call the impossible spirit realm. He wants to take you definitely from your ability to His ability in His image so you operate in signs, wonders, and miracles. It doesn't matter how talented you are, you cannot do a miracle without the power of God. So he's trying to take you from your natural life to supernatural. He's taking you from the possible realm to the almost the impossible realm, which isn't impossible because you have the power of God on the inside of you. Now, during transition times, there are moments, sometimes hours, sometimes days, when you feel uncomfortable. In other words, in me, when I first started the ministry and I started studying the Word of God, there were times when all at once, you know, it got everything got dry. The Bible got dry, praise got dry, everything got dry, uncertainty started setting in my mind. There was times when I felt very unspiritual. Even though I was supposed to be spiritual, I didn't feel like I was spiritual at all. 
like there's no feds around me, praise God. And I found out what was happening. I was actually advancing and traveling through a dimension or a spirit realm on a level that I have never been to before. In other words, I've never been to that spiritual level before. I've never had that sight into the spiritual realm, whether it was healing or deliverance or whatever God had for me. Basically, what I got was a partial revelation. Say partial revelation. And when you get a partial revelation, basically, you're stuck in the middle because now you've got a revelation coming from a whole different realm that doesn't even make sense with the other half of the revelation that you still got from the natural realm. So you're caught in the middle again. It says I'm healed, but I sure as a heck right now. It says I'm wealthy, but man, I'm broke. I'll tell you that right now. What happened? It took me out of the position I was in and got me stuck in the middle between the two. And at that time, things started drying up. It's things seemed unfamiliar to me. They seemed strange to me. There was a heaviness that came into my life. Why? Because I had entered a soul battle. Say soul battle. Now, soul battle is a battle between your feelings, between your emotions, between your thought life, basically that the Word of God has to fight in your life because that is the fight that you're going to have to win. And then I started hearing voices. If you're really doing what God wants you to do, why do you feel so bad? You must be out of God's will, far from Him the way you feel. You better read and you better pray. You better get yourself together. You're a pastor. You're falling apart emotionally and spiritually. You don't know what you're doing. You're all messed up. When that happens, it's not time to believe those thoughts. They're coming from the wrong side. It's not time to despair. It's not time to quit. It's not time to panic. It's not time to worry. It's not time to get depressed. It is time to prevail and advance in a spiritual thing. So what do I want to do? I got a part revelation that's come from the Spirit of God on the inside of me. I want to finish that revelation. In other words, I want to go deeper in that revelation. I don't want to pull back. The whole reason the attack comes against your feelings and emotions is to get you stop in that partial and to move back. So there's a heaviness. When I used to be at the prayer meeting, it was on a Thursday night. I mean, I'd get behind the pulpit. The, the power of God was on me. We'd lay hands. We'd cast out devils. We'd do everything. Anointing to God was on me. And Friday morning, I'd wake up all excited, and I'd get to work. And after about an hour, I just felt like God, God wasn't within 42,000 miles of me. Goosebump. I didn't have any bumps. Nothing was going on. But the night before, hallelujah, man, I felt good. I'm walking in. And almost everything changed, and I didn't know what was going on. So I put on praise music, and the praise music that used to excite me just, and the word of God that I picked out, my oh, God, this thing don't mean anything today. I don't know what's going on. What happened? There was a battle going on. What was God trying to do for me at that time? He was trying to teach me that I could not live in the anointing on me to preach. I had to live my life out of the anointing that was on the inside of me. So every time I preached under that anointing, and even on Sundays, there's a, there's a high there, there's a realm you get into, there's a step you take, but how many of you know you don't stay in that all week? You may stay in that all Sunday. You may stay part Monday, but all at once that goes away because you're not preaching anymore. And then if you don't know to switch off on the anointing that's on the inside of you, you'll get depressed. Well, I don't feel like I fell on Sunday. I was in the corporate anointing on Sunday. Oh, my God, God was everywhere, and I was getting touched, and now I don't know to where God is. See, because that corporate anointing will help you to get into the things of God also, but you're going to have to learn that you're not always living in the corporate anointing. How many know when you leave here on Sunday, you don't take the whole church with you? Come on, Monday morning, you get up out of bed, and they're all singing, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. No, it don't work that way. So you have to learn to change over from that anointing to your own anointing that's on the inside of you. Is God still there even though you don't feel him now? Yes, he is. Does God still love you even though you don't feel his love right now? Yes, he does. So what's happening? You're growing. Say, I'm growing. How I many know sometimes growing is not good? I mean, it's rough on you, isn't it? You don't understand what's happening. And you've got people who come here all the time, and they come up to me, and they say, you know, uh, I'll tell you what, 
I don't whether go to church here anymore or not because ever since I got here, it seems like I've been in a battle here. And I said, well, yeah, you were in a church before. didn't even challenge your stupid mind. So you came in, sat down, went home, and nothing happened to you. But now the truth of the word's hitting you. And all at once, it won't leave you in the place that you've been for the last 32 years at that other church. And now you're going to have to start thinking and lining up with it. And God's trying to pull you out of where you are and bring you up into a new place. So all at once, my God, you're getting all confused and everything's going on in your life and everything's changing and everything. Why? Because God is now moving through his spirit on the inside of you. You may even, and most people here, after being here three or four weeks, they hear, don't go back to that church. Boy, you don't want to go there. You know, it was a lot easier for you before you went to that church. You had no responsibility. Now they want you to read the word and they want you to believe God and they want you to do all this stuff. That's just too much work. So you need to go back to your old church where all you did was show up and shake everybody's hand and go home and just stayed where you're at for the last 30 years. You'll hear that in your voice to quit. You see a lot of people doing that, praise God. But there's spiritual opposition to you going any further. He don't care if you stay where you're at now. He don't care if you stay a little goo-goo-ga-ga baby that doesn't do anything, that needs somebody to change your diaper for 35 years. He's afraid of people growing up in the things of God, getting in a period of time where, praise God, they understand what's going on in their life. They understand the power they've got. They understand the anointing they've got. They understand all this thing. So what, what basically is he trying to do? He's trying to get you to walk by faith, not by feeling. And that's one of the biggest things. If you can ever get by that or get that or get on the other side of that, you're going to see things. Because demons are going to come against you. But what did Jesus say? Behold, I give you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions over the power. So when the devil comes to try to stop you, don't run from him. Walk over him and keep going straight, praise God. Keep praying. Keep confessing the word. Stay in the things of God when spiritual opposition comes. So when it comes to attack you, it will attack you in the feelings and emotional realm. The enemy comes to attack your feelings and your emotions. He wants you to be controlled by your feelings and emotions. Why? Because he's got a lot of things going on in the natural realm that you can see and feel that will mess you up. He wants to keep you from advancing from faith to faith. If you start walking by faith, the Bible says, Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. He can't afford to have you walk by faith. There's a type and shadow in the Old Testament. Remember when the Israelite people, they were in the uh, desert or the wilderness, and all at once God gave them a pillar of fire, and he gave them a cloud of smoke, and basically what happened, the cloud moved, and they would move, and the fire would move, and they would move, and then the fire would move here, and they'd follow the fire, and by night and by day, they'd follow the cloud, they'd fire the fire, 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 in the wilderness, they did that the whole time, but as soon as they got out of the wilderness into the promised land, it disappeared. So they had to wake up one morning and say, my God, where'd my cloud go? Where did my fire go? Now what do we do? Now where do we go? Uh, we don't know even know where to go. It left us. We should have stayed in the wilderness because in the wilderness, we had something guiding us. We had something leading us. But now we stepped into the promised land and now we've got to believe. This is terrible. It was so much easier to follow the cloud. Follow the... What happened? It disappeared. And in your life, you're going to go through some Gilgals yourself. There's going to be times in your life where you come into a place where you get in a predicament where there's only one answer, and that's to believe the Word of God only. The only thing. No other evidence, uh, no other thing there that even makes you think that that can possibly happen. All you got on is one thing, and that's the Word of the living God. So you may wake up one day and the goosebumps may be gone. The music team's not there to help you. The drummer's not drumming anymore. There are no feelings or emotions to support the word. Why? So your dependency gets on what God said and off your feelings and off your emotions. The question is, will you believe now in the presence of God? 
Do you believe now the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me, even though I don't feel it anymore, and even though my emotions are saying he's nowhere around? Now, will you believe it at that time? Do you believe he will never leave you nor forsake you? Do you believe you are a temple of the living God? Do you believe you're a habitation of God? Well, I could just feel him. It would be so much easier for me to do it. But I'll tell you what, if you start believing it, you'll feel him sooner or later. See, the feelings come on the backside of the believing. They shouldn't come to, to allow you to do that. So one day you may wake up with a symptom in your body. The pastor won't be there. Doctor won't be there. Corporate anointing sure won't be there because you're by yourself. Will you advance and believe that by my stripes, uh, by his stripes, I have been healed? Or will you stop and will you go back? Even though I don't feel healed, even though I don't look, even though the pain is real, your word says by his stripes I am healed, and that's all I got to hang on with. Financially, I'm telling you right now, sometimes it's good to get into a place where you've got no choice. I mean, in my lifetime, I've been in a financial situation where Uncle Harry couldn't get me out, where rich Aunt Susie couldn't get me out, where all my relation together couldn't get me out. I was so deep in finances, and I had one choice, believe God. That was, there was no other choice. There was nothing else there. There's no one else I had to go. What are you going to do? Believe God. Well, what are you going to do when your finances get real bad? I'm going to believe God. What are you going to do when you don't feel good? I think I'll just believe God. What are you going to do when your kids are acting up? I think I'll probably just believe God. What are you going to do when your wife's acting up? I just think I'll believe God. What are you going to do when your husband's acting up? I've got to put that in there to even it out. <laughs> believe God. See, so your only answer really is to believe God, and it's better to start doing it now, see, until you get in a predicament like that. But it takes you to a place where you have no other choice. It's just the Word of God. All at once your cloud leaves, and all at once your fire goes, and it's just you, praise God, and you're the only one there. So what am I going to do? I'm going to find out what the Word says. One day you'll wake up, in your marriage, after you've been married for a while, and you may not feel like loving your spouse anymore. You may be able to think of a hundred reasons why you shouldn't love your spouse. But will you follow the Word of God and love them anyway, unconditionally? Because if you do, pretty soon the feelings will come back and the emotions will come back and they'll follow your faith. If not, you know, most of the people end up in trouble before it's over with because they're led by their feelings and by their emotions. How many know that ooey-gooey feeling can go away? But then again, the ooey-gooey feeling can come back every now and then, praise God, right? So what does it got to do? It's got believing and acting on the Word of God, what the Word of God says to you. Well, you advance. You may have people in your life that are a little bit hard to love. And your feelings and emotions aren't saying, oh, love them just where they are. There's such one. You know, your, your emotions are saying, strangle them. You see them coming down one side of the street, please go to the other side of the street. and Maybe they won't see you. Glad you got a mask on. Nobody might recognize you and know what you're doing, see? But see, that's not, that's not what the Bible tells us, does it? It tells us to love them, be patient with them, think the best of them, love them unconditionally. So what am I going to do? I'm going to obey. And every time you obey the Word of God over your feelings, you take another step over your feelings and over your emotions. Every time you defeat them once, it just gets an easier way to defeat them the second time. So you cannot be led by feelings. You cannot be led by emotions. In order to live in signs, wonders, and miracles, you have to get beyond that. The power of God does not respond to feelings. It does not respond to needs. It responds to faith in the Word. And some people think that God only, only does something through your feelings and emotions. That's why when some people pray, they pray out of their feelings and emotions. Oh, God, you know how bad it is. You're so loving and it's just so terrible. And you know how I feel. You know, I mean, you, don't wanna, you can't act because of how you feel. He acts by what you believe. So you've got to believe the Word of God. That's why even on Sunday we talked about going to Him with His Word. I mean, you take His Word back to Him, there's no argument. 
He said it, praise God. So when you go to him, what do you, you wake up on Monday morning and you're not feeling very good, praise God. I know, glory to God, you live on the inside of me. Your Bible says, I'm a habitation of God through the Spirit, praise God. It says, I'm a temple of the living God. It says, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon me, I receive power. I don't feel like I have an ounce of power, but I don't care what I feel like because I got the power of God on the inside of me, praise God. So I'm going to walk in that power today and I'm going to walk in wisdom today and I'm going to walk in the things of God. What are you doing? You're just simply agreeing with him and the word of God. What does that do? It releases the anointing out of the inside of you to allow you to walk in that area of your life. It will respond to faith. Say God's power responds to faith, not feeling. All right, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So sometimes when you get in a situation that you feel like there's a dark cloud over you, you know, I'll tell you what it's like. It's like that, uh, that one on peanuts. What was his name where he walked around that cloud following him everywhere he go? Pigpen. Is that his name? Yeah. That's what it feels like. You wake up and you think, my God, that thing's follow me everywhere I go. I got no, I don't feel like anything. There are no emotions there. Uh, just understand, I mean, if he hasn't checked you with sin or something, then, then you're making an advancement. Don't worry about it. Just keep pushing, keep going. And all once you wake up and it's like you got through on the other side and, and that cloud's completely gone. You say, what was I doing back there? My goodness sakes. And you go a little further in Revelation, all at once here comes a cloud again. Why? You're learning something deeper. You're learning something more powerful. You're growing in the things of God. Now you can release more power and more authority in your life, and you're growing, and you just keep fighting through it, and you get through on the other side. Hallelujah. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <laughs> I'll tell you, when I was... When I was first ministering and growing up in this stuff, and this stuff was happening to me, and I'd go to the leader, the leaders who were the real leaders. I mean, I was just there. I was just starting out, and I'd go to the real leaders, and I'd say, what's the matter with me? I preach, and I'm, uh, the anointing's there, and then I don't feel like God's anywhere, and, and I feel cold, and I, I feel like I'm dry, and I feel like, what's happening? And I get the same answer every time. I hate it. Well, brother, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. I said, well, good, but what am I supposed to do about it? Brother, all things work together for good. That was a pattern thing. My dog died, my cat died, my house burned up. What's going on? All things work together for good. I get so tired of hearing that over and over again, and I'll tell you what, all things weren't working together for good. Do you understand? You understand? I want answers. I want to know what to do. Praise God. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at verse 14. Here it talks about transformation. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. People say, well, I don't know the will of God. Well, that's enough for you to... Concentrate on for your next 40 years right there. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. That is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all the appearance of evil, and the very God of peace will sanctify you wholly, all one peace. I pray, God, your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God wants us to move into a place of sanctification in our life. Notice spirit first, born again, then your soul, and then notice your body. Say my body. Notice your body will, will line up to what you're thinking. We already found that out. Prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So the process here, I'm going to warn the unruly. I'm going to comfort anybody who's feeble-minded. 
I'm going to support the weak. I'm going to be patient towards all. This all takes a decision. How many of you know that? I'd rather slap the unruly. Come on, get upset at the feeble-minded. Not be patient with anybody some days. Not render evil for evil. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. And you will have to go beyond your feelings and emotions to rejoice always. You're commanded to rejoice always whether you feel like it or not. Pray without ceasing, constantly walking with God. You must resist worry, fear, doubt of your soul in order to walk with God. In everything, give thanks. Notice, regardless of the situation, remember the benefits and the provision of the Lord. Thanks not for what the devil is trying to do, but for what God has already done to take care of your situation. Thank God that I'm prosperous because of Jesus. Thanks God I'm healed because of his stripes. Thanks God I have peace because he's placed it on the inside of me. The results, a spirit-led life and a life that opens up to signs, wonders, and miracles. All right, one more, Acts chapter 6. All right, Acts chapter 6, look at verse 8. It says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did or performed great wonders and miracles among the people. Now, was Stephen just an ordinary man? He was, wasn't he? Was he full of faith and power? Yes, he was. Now, who did the great wonders and miracles among him? He did. Say, he did. He performed those miracles. People say, I can't do anything. Oh, yes, you can. God has given you the ability and the command to do these things. So if Stephen, an ordinary person who was simply full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles, it means that you can also do great signs and wonders and miracles. There's going to be times of growth, times of transformation in your life. You're going to move from glory to glory. As you do, it will take the sense realm out of authority in your life, and the spirit realm will move in. You'll be walking by faith to faith, to faith, the Spirit will lead you into all truth and change you into the faith of God person. Miracles will be released by total belief and dependency based on God's Word alone. Who you are, what He's made you, what He's done for you. All done by a transformation of your mind and victory with the Word of God over your feelings and over your emotions. Say, I am a miracle worker. God has given me all power, His Spirit, His authority, His ability, His anointing, His peace, His joy, His thanksgiving. And I choose not to let anybody, anything, steal what I got. I choose to live in authority over my feelings, over my emotions, over the natural realm. I choose to walk in a newness of life. No more a mere person, but a Holy Ghost, kingdom of God, anointed, filled with the Spirit, child of the living God. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God.